increasing part of the left-wing thinkers has since the start of the corona pandemic been active in showing how today's society struggles to cope under the crisis. They argue that the existing healthcare system covers the population unequally and unevenly. In the aftermath of privatization and the entry of profit-seeking in our public service systems, they no longer function as they should, and the aim has shifted from function to productivity. Dr. Helveg Petersen, author of Rent Capitalism, Economic Theory and Global Reality, and a consultant within international development, addresses the issues of the uneven effects of the recession on the different countries and the increasing concentration of market power during the pandemic. She explains this development in relation to the increasing popularity of the left. This podcast is a segment of the online debate organized by the Danish DEO and the Rosa Luxemburg Stiftung. For the full event, follow the link within the description to the DEO YouTube channel. Enjoy! Thank you very much and thank you for inviting me. It's a great honor to be able to speak to this, speak about to this subject, which is very vast. So... Um, Uh, to my dear public, um, you must excuse me for come for being very wide in uh, my uh, presentation. So uh, I cannot go that much, that deeply into many subjects. But uh, I will, on the other hand, try to cover as many aspects as possible of the question, because otherwise we narrow our focus too much. And the presentation will be in PowerPoint, and. Uh, Yeah, and it is about the epidemic economy and the left perspective. So uh, what is the situation? The situation is that we have had various crises since the crisis of 2007-2008. And uh, we call them crises. Maybe they were depressions. Maybe they were uh, recessions. Maybe they were other problems. But we call them crises. Uh, although they were really uh, long-term problems. We have a direct uh, legacy of the financial crisis, which was that in 2012-15, particularly in Europe, uh, we uh, many countries, those in the South, got into big problems. Uh, we call the, it is called the sovereign debt crisis, where that debt became unsustainable, and the European uh, Central Bank had to invent a lot of different instruments in order to rescue these countries. And we also know some of the effects of that. What have we seen too? We have seen a continuation of financial scandals, money laundering being one of them, dividend tax fraud, uh, the so-called COMEX files. And we have seen also uh, a, an increase in corporate tax evasion and use of offshore tax havens. This has become ever more important. Then, not directly related, we have the so-called refugee crisis in 2015, which was the aftermath of the Arab Spring and the wars in the Middle East, or the uprisings in the Middle East, the Syrian and Iraqi, Iranian and Afghani uh, refugees that came into Europe and some from Northern Africa, plus poverty migrants uh, from particularly Africa. That also became known as a crisis. And then last but not, well, second last, we have the climate crisis. It was only in recent years that, that the world started talking about a climate crisis, although, although 
uh, Gore introduced the term many years ago. But what we see anyway is the crisis that uh, the 1.5 degrees that is a goal not to surpass uh, increase in temperatures that this this measure will soon be uh, reached. And uh, so the chances of not of not getting to two, per, two degrees are also very slim. Uh, various tipping points have been reached. So uh, this is uh, an, a, an ongoing crisis that, uh, that there are various responses to. And then finally, the COVID crisis in 2020. So what, what were the, uh, power, uh, the power structure responses? We have seen that the central banks were very much called upon. I'm here talking about the major central bank, the Fed in the US, the ECB and the Bank of England. They kept money markets liquid through bond purchase programs and floated markets with the liquidity and boosting, thereby boosting asset prices. At the public international level, we have seen some strengthening of banking standards of regulations, but not a lot. So basically, the same structures beneath the financial uh, crisis have been left untouched. Um, governments answered with austerity fiscal restraints. Uh, they helped the private sector by welfare and social program tax and, and gave tax reductions to the wealthy and to corporations. The private sector cut, cut down wages, tightening work conditions, and at the same time, we have seen the platform economy rising and precarity mounting. Governments obviously have been scared of vested, including agro-industrial interests. They have not been very much caving in to lift demands. And when it comes to the so-called, so the climate crisis, governments have said CO2 targets, but either they have not been following up, or if they do, they have mostly been supporting or stimulating private, private business ventures. There have been some learnings through the mistakes in the crisis responses. Well, um, the financial crisis and the aftermath um, it spurred the Occupy moment uh, movement, one can say. So, so a lot of people got active, but it was a very headless, it was a headless movement which had no real stringent analysis and uh, its main objective was to sort of uh, to denounce the 1% wealthy as the main tenant new political parties arose podemos in spain syriza in greece and five star movement in italy they have all entered government at one time but now they seem to be exhausted Syriza lost to the Troika, the ECB powers, Podemos was overwhelmed, and the Five Star Movement has not really even been a very a leftist movement, but a strange construct. What we have seen also has been the Corbyn and the Sanders phenomena, the left social democracy in the UK and the US, which is sort of a uh, new thing, one can say. And... Um, then uh, what we have is on the international scene also, it has changed for not necessarily the same reason, but it has changed. We have seen, we have had Trump populism. Tr Trump has introduced trade barriers and, and worked on reshoring of production. And uh, so that outsourcing is being turned on its head. China is rising in the global south through huge infrastructure investments, 
Belt and Road Initiative with hydro dams and a lot of other infrastructure. And uh, on the other hand, you have China, you have, uh, China as a partner of the West. It has reached a stage where its own role as a hub for outsourcing is waning. There's, it is less interested in, in uh, Western capital and Western capital is also and industry is withdrawing at the same time. So, so that is what's going on behind all the rhetoric. Rising tensions between the US and, and, and the EU, EU on the one, one side and Russia and China on the other hand, various issues of Ukraine, Middle East, even talks about a new Cold War. Effects of global warming is changing, the geopolitics focus on the Arctic, and we have trouble spots in the world that are sort of that are sort of go ongoing all the time. We have Latin America that is in trouble for various reasons. We have Brazil, Venezuela, Colombia, uh, which is a new hotspot, and uh, Peru. It may be changing in other ways uh, politically, but altogether. Latin America is in a bit of a trouble. The COVID crisis itself led to massive lockdowns, unemployment and bankruptcies rose, negative GDP growth continuing into 2021. There was an output loss in the US estimated at nearly $8 trillion as of October 2020. In the UK, I've seen a figure of 700 billion pounds. Anyway, these are just numbers that give some indications. A rise in poverty and precarity has also been seen. And we have massive health costs for testing, identifying, and all the other costs. And all these costs are not known as of yet and who is carrying them. Then another phenomenon, some of the most advanced countries have shown to have weak institutions. Germany, for example, has very little digitization of its public uh, services and has been very slow in, in moving on some of these areas. And uh, so the next slide, please. And what have we seen more? Namely that the governments have assumed massive debt in support of the private sector, wage support, and expanded unemployment benefits, even helicopter money to low-income families in the US. And so, so some social uh, costs have been assumed too. The rescue packages all over the world amount to trillions of US dollars, three or four so far, but it's not known. And the other phenomena, central bank liquidity injections, which is not the same thing, have fueled financial markets again and even more so that shares, bonds and property markets have been booming. Negative interest rates in major capital centers are continuing. Households, on the other hand, have in the West massive bank savings in part stimulating housing and also purchases of, of assets, even cryptocurrencies, a new phenomenon. Uh, growth is now in the increase. After all of that, in the first quarter of 2021, the growth in the US is estimated at 6.4%, China, 18%. And uh, well, here in Denmark, it's minus still, but it will be positive this year. And the new phenomenon is inflation, which many people have wanted for so long. Now it's finally coming. In the US, 4.2%, and in Europe overall, it's 1.6% at, at, as of April 2021, but increasing in May 
2021, and everybody expected to increase uh, more. And then you have the public debt, which is increasing, and especially this will become a, a, a problem in the in the global south, which has also seen many adverse effects, and whose debt uh, was assumed based on some growth that that has not been coming. So that will be a real problem. Whereas the debt in our part of the world is sort of sustainable, some people say, because of the zero interest rate. But on the other hand, the interest rates also will may may be increasing. Uh, Inflation causes, um, more inflation causes than just the government actions. We have seen Supply chain disruptions, higher container transport prices, delivery problems of semiconductors, higher commodity prices, I mean, raw materials, and incipient shortage of labor. Shocks, we have also seen the Suez Canal disaster. And uh, this, this is added to the massive infusion of government debt finance consumption and investments and so on. And without the corresponding capacity in production and distribution uh, rising at the same time uh, because of this disruption. So there's a lot of pressure on markets, which is then leading to price increases. And a new f- and an interesting phenomenon that housing prices have been going ballistic, as the economist wrote, in the rich world. Finally, market interest rates, including the effective yields on government debt, are rising. So some people are happy, but if major central banks will try to hold them down, they will fuel inflation even more. So they are in a bind. Yeah, the North-South divide. Well, we have also other questions. Now we have the Israel-Palestine conflict and equities uh, coming back to the center. Autocratic dictatorial tendencies, uh, various coups and and demonstrations and so on and so forth. But also, not only in Myanmar, Belarus and so on, but also in the West, we're talking about freedoms being restricted in various ways. Uh, Governments try to control the public discourse, debate, uh, science and and universities. And um, so uh, there are that talk about that. And are these the concerns of the left? Yes, but not necessarily the same ways as the powers that be see them. And the powers that be tend to see them in the same old pattern. And uh, the new government of the new presidency of Biden, what can he do even if he wants to? Can he change these patterns? Will he do that? That is a very open question. Well, now he's in a G7 meeting, but I don't think we expect a lot of changes. But, but the left has to do its own analysis. The, the poorer countries are definitely suffering under the COVID crisis and experiences a new backlash. And Africa, on the other hand, in Africa, there are also other signs that it is slowly carving out its own new path. The class perspective, an interesting thing. Class perspective is, inc- is, is sort of coming back to center stage. It's re- I mean, class struggle is reinvigorated. Class analysis is being done in the left. And it's a class war from above, or what is it? It is anyway very clear that class has to do with access to wealth. And because many people are kept out of wealth. So um, this is uh, a, new, a major issue in that respect. So encouraging from the left perspective, trade union membership is increasing. Unions are taking on new roles in the gig economy and getting a few little 
victories. Class struggles will be strengthened, strengthened if economies boom an advantage when the markets burst because if inevitably they will. If interest rates keep rising and so on and so forth, there will be problems. And uh, But we have also the ongoing working class nationalism, conservatism and populism that is is, is fed from the right. And, uh, and then we have a lack of leftist unity across borders. At least we don't have a very strong movement across borders, be it in the political arena, in the theoretical analysis, in the workers' organizations. All of these are not very well articulated internationally. And we have seen also, I think, that Corbyn in the UK, he hurt, hurt Labour's prospects of going to the left by not being able to formulate a Brexit policy, which should, in my personal in my analysis, anyway, have been remade rather than the opposite. And this sort of hithering and dithering has left the left also hanging. What is more, a megatrend, productivity developments and new growth scenarios. Technological developments have long been the agenda and the question is technology uh, optimism or not. A lot of failed projects in technology and abuse of data through technology. Productivity has not increased as expected. With all this computing power, one should expect that it would increase, but as it is measured, it has not. That has been simply because in the in the years after the financial crisis, we have seen a relative reticence of, of private companies to invest uh, in large new projects and uh, due to lack of profit prospects. And also we have seen that service work is increasing relative to uh, industrial pro so-called productive work. And, uh, and that and uh, productivity increases is not so easy to measure up in, uh, in service work. But what has the business response been? It has been tough time efficiency demands also in the service industry. And uh, so the question is, will the new growth scenarios lead to more productivity growth and less demand for workers? And um, well, there's, there's the answer, it's not easy, but we see that there's worries about demographic shortfalls in the long run and labor power in the short run. So there will be need for labor, it's not, it's not superfluous yet. Left opportunities, openings through mainstream policies and tendencies through various things that are happening in the center, I would say international taxation is coming on the agenda uh, to curb tech, tech giants and tech, tax havens, and that is on the international public agenda, the, the, the power agenda. Massive government investments and some social initiatives are part of it. There's a green agenda. Um, there's the digging up of the roots of racism and its per per perpetuation today fight against gender inequality and inequities. And we have higher demand for labor, which is also always strengthening the labor side of the equation. The left arena, where should it fight? Well, elections, parliaments, workplaces, and on the street, obviously. Should it formulate its main demands politely as political issues, investment, education, green developments, public transport, basic income, or should it mobilize and demand major changes, such as democratic ownerships, or both? or simply fight inequities, racism, nationalism. I'd be critical. A lesson learned is that there's no political articulation and analysis, movements will fail and die away. Parliamentary work is back in fashion, we see that. 
We see that Biden is showing some progressive agenda domestically. The Greens are strong in Germany, except these last days. But France, Italy, Spain, no. The Nordic countries, I wouldn't say that that is the case. Maybe not as bad as in the South. But uh, in other places, that's an analysis. In, in, in England, in UK, no. The left, the left has to fight where the powers are concentrated, I would say, and therefore also the EU is a necessary arena. And here in Europe, there's this sort of hithering and dithering about the EU, but I think this has to be settled as simply, this is where we are, let us take it from there. The, the contradictions, it's always good to talk about the contradictions, and they are so massive, I only mention a few here. The governments have called upon for support to businesses, Thereby, they're reinvigorating capital. They are really helping capital to an unheard of extent. Small, ver small versus big investment in companies. The small ones are growing, concentration of capital. The startups are coming, but they either swallowed or fail. Dem demographic and labor shortage, immigration, fear, and climate concern. That these are the uh, contradictions. We have a shortage of labor. On the other hand, we have fear of immigration. I mean, in the public arena and climate concerns, we should have less, but fewer people. Green growth versus climate needs. They can come into contradiction. Green growth is not necessarily uh, climate friendly, ultimately. Stated goals versus willingness to pull through. We have a lot of hypocrisy. Uh, government state that they want to reach certain goals, but on the other hand, they don't do a lot to reach them. We have the public poverty and social welfare. Governments are not getting, are not becoming more generous after the crisis, Corona crisis. But public generosity is shown to 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 research and development for business with green growth. Substitution of private capital for public support in the global south is is going on now. Official development assistance is 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 is, is, is really being given up. We've seen it with UK. And on the other hand, we have the continuation of neocolonial policies in the guise of development, land grabbing, and so on and so forth. We have the internationalization of China. Should the West cooperate? Yeah. On the other hand, it will not. And, and there's competition and, and also interdependencies. And these things are not really worked out with China, which is such an important power. The strategies. Uh, even the mainstream admits that there will have to be a massing rewiring of the global economy. This is from the former Bank of England governor, governor Matt Carney. Capitalist crisis, oh, crisis openings may quickly close again. Capital has an ability to restore itself in unexpected ways. The strategy will have to come out of an undogmatic view of institutions, how to use them, how to fight their synergy with big business, parliamentary accommodation versus strikes and pressure. The left should always be aware that what looks good can be turned on its head. We have seen it with the free internet and social media. And the left should be, be, be aware of reification, things, targets, and so on and so forth. There's a tendency to think of climate in terms of targets and numbers. But on the other hand, who is, who is benefiting? What are the social relations going with these changes? We have seen greenwashing, we see green grabbing of land, the, the, these phenomena have to be fought too. So one should not be just happy about every initiative in the climate uh, crisis 
fight direction because some of them will simply be to the benefit of powers that we may not like. And this is what we see with big corporate interests, not only I mean, with big windmill and solar parks. And, and is that what we want? We also power to X all of these new technologies that will be massive investments and will strengthen private capital. So the West is in need of strategies rather than maybe fixed policies because it will always have to guide itself around what's happening. And then lastly, this is the very last point. Reforms are very good, but on the other hand, one can be so infatuated with reforms that one forgets that the capitalist spaces will always try to make these form the reforms in another direction than they were intended first. So this is what I call revisionism, to think that you can just deal easily with the power structures as if they were uh, just sensible uh, uh, conversation partners. This is not the case. You have to be skeptical always and critical. So this is my last, uh, last words in this round, and I thank you for your attention. This is the second event in a series of eight online debate meetings addressing a rising the economic crisis relating to the ongoing corona pandemic. In cooperation with Rosa Luxemburg Stiftung and the left parties in Germany, Sweden and Denmark, DEO seeks to map out strategies, opportunities and dilemmas for the left. This project is sponsored by the Rosa Luxemburg Stiftung, a German political foundation closely linked to Die Linke, the German left party. This podcast was produced by Hakuna Matata Production and was sponsored by Setkin Foundation.